He's a pastor I met a week back in Cuba, his church destroyed by Hurricane Ian nearly a month ago. While clearing what was left of the rubble of his sanctuary, he took a mosquito bite, and now he's contracted deadly dengue fever. His joints are swollen, so he can barely move because of his pain. Yet even with no building and with tropical rain showers, he's still preaching Christ as his flock with so little tries to meet the physical and spiritual needs with no electricity, contaminated water, little food to eat. I would call this pastor an underdog. His flock, they're underdogs. No one has ever heard of their plight until a team of Christians I was part of made the long drive from Havana over what was left of a winding asphalt road. One more time, I can attest that in the hardest of places, the hardest of times, the gospel goes forward, Christ still at work. Welcome to Haven Today. I'm Charles Morris sharing with you the great story that's all about Jesus, and we're continuing our series this Monday that we began last week called Nobody wins alone. We've been thinking about underdogs and stories of people who just weren't on anyone's radar screens. Maybe you've felt that way at times. I think most of us have from one time or another. We've also been talking about another underdog over the past few days and the life of football player Kurt Warner. He went from stocking shelves at a supermarket to winning the Super Bowl in a few short years but he was always praising Jesus. Here he is when he was inducted into the NFL Hall of Fame only five years ago. I'm going to conclude with one last moment and one last thank you to the one whom, without a doubt, has left the deepest mark and has become the cornerstone of my life. In the early stage of my career, I had a chance to stand at a podium similar to this in front of millions of people after Super Bowl 34. In that moment... I made sure the first thing I did was say thank you to this person for what they had done for me. Now many felt I was thanking him for orchestrating a Super Bowl win, or making my passes fly straighter, or causing my opponents to make more mistakes. But those people had it all wrong. The gesture was my way of acknowledging how fortunate I considered myself for the moments he had given me. Thanking him for the trials which prepared me for this platform. For showing me that with him, the impossible becomes possible, and for choosing me as the lead in this once-in-a-lifetime role. Now, love it or hate it, that opening scene captured the imagination of the sports world, and the words became the heart of my story. The rest, as they say, is history, bringing us to this, the famous last words, and the only place this extraordinary journey can end. You know, his final moment was for me, Mine is for him. Thank you, Jesus. Kurt Warner, in a very public setting, praising his Savior Jesus when he was inducted into the Hall of Fame. Probably the most unlikely inductee in football history. I'd like to send you the new movie made about his unlikely career. It's called American Underdog for your gift to this listener-supported ministry. Whether you like football or not, This compelling and heartwarming story will remind you how our lives can truly change when we submit to the Lord and we seek to live for Him. Our number to call after the program is 800 
65haven, 800-65-HAVEN, or better yet, watch the trailer and a clip from the movie, and you could make your gift when you visit haventoday.org, haventoday.org. Coming up, we're going to look at some underdog stories from the Bible. But first, let's hear some music from Johnny Diaz. A little boy faced a giant man with a few rocks and a slinging head. He wasn't bad, but he was big. He said a prayer, looked to the sky, wound it up and let it fly. No one could be Goliath for me. Monday and welcome back to Haven Today in a program called Nobody Wins Alone with Johnny Diaz. Use me too. I'm so glad that you've joined me on this October Monday. It's been a very beautiful fall where I live in North America. The colors are vibrant and the weather is mild. And not just here where I am, but I've talked to people in many other places like Michigan who say this is the most colorful fall that they can remember. I always have liked this time of year. 
The leaves begin to change before they fall. There's a slight chill in the air. When I was growing up in Oklahoma, fall meant high school and college football were in full swing. There's just something about the autumn that's worth waiting for. At least that's what I think. And you know, waiting can be a very hard thing sometimes. In fact, it can be one of the hardest things we go through in this life, especially when we're waiting for something good. Well, we've been thinking about Kurt Warner's story over the last week or so. I went from a grocery store stalker to a Hall of Fame NFL quarterback, and we've been focusing especially on his faith. Kurt knew that he didn't do all of this by himself, but he kept his focus on the main thing that's the main thing, his Lord, and then after that, his family. And that's why we're calling this series Nobody Wins Alone. It's true, you know. I realize we hear a lot of talk nowadays about being self-made, women and men, about pulling ourselves up by our own bootstraps. Now, that might be an Americanism, but I've heard it from Canadians and people in other parts of the world as well. But the assumption is all around us. I can do it. I can do it all by myself, all alone. All I need is myself. Well, let me put it bluntly. That is nothing but a lie. No one can get by in this life without others. And Christians above everyone else know that we need the Lord. You and I would be in a very bad spot without him. But sometimes we have to wait. God doesn't work according to our schedules, even though we'd like him to. And you know, that reminds me of the story of the Israelites in the Old Testament. They went into exile. They had to wait 70, 70 years before the Lord began to bring them back. Remember what happened at the end of Second Kings? In the ninth year of Zedekiah's reign, on the tenth day of the tenth month, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, marched against Jerusalem with his entire army. He encamped outside the city and built siege works all around it. That siege lasted two years, and it was a terrible time. There was starvation and disease. And in the end, the Babylonians got in anyway. Nebuzaradan, the commander of the guard, carried into exile the people who remained in the city, along with the rest of the population and those who had deserted to the king of Babylon. But the commander left behind some of the poorest people of the land to work the vineyards and the fields. Now, that might be a little hard for us to get today. What would it be like for you and me if we were Judeans living in Jerusalem when this happened? Would we have survived? Would our families and friends? Would we be forced into exile, dragged off to a foreign land with strange pagan gods in a language we didn't speak? It's, I think, one of the saddest chapters in all of the Bible. And what makes it even more sad is the fact that they deserved it. The people of God had ignored their Lord time and time again. They'd turned to idols. They'd even burned their children as sacrifices. But even in spite of all of that, the Lord wasn't finished with them. Not yet. He promised to bring them back after 70 years. He told them how he would do it even before they were forced into exile. Listen to God's message. It's spoken out of the mouth of the prophet Isaiah. The Lord says of Jerusalem, it shall be inhabited. 
of the towns of Judah, they shall be rebuilt. He says of Cyrus, he is my shepherd and will accomplish all that I please. He will say of Jerusalem, let it be rebuilt. And of the temple, let its foundations be laid. This is what the Lord says to his anointed, to Cyrus. For the sake of Jacob, my servant, of Israel, my chosen, I summon you by name and bestow on you a title of honor, though you do not acknowledge me. Maybe this is such a familiar part of the Bible to us that we don't realize how shocking that was. Cyrus? He was a pagan king of a pagan empire, but he was the one that God chose to use. And it shows the power and control of the one who made all things. This is one of those times when the Lord used a person who didn't even believe in him. Cyrus, the pagan king. He worshipped other gods and goddesses just like most people did back then. But like we've seen over the past week, God moves unexpectedly, even mysteriously. And what he said would happen did really come to pass. When we turn to the book of Isaiah, we find these words. In the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, in order to fulfill the word of the Lord spoken by Jeremiah, the Lord moved the heart of Cyrus, king of Persia, to make a proclamation throughout his realm and also to put it in writing. And what did he say? The king of most of the known world of that day declared that the Jews could go home to Jerusalem, that they could rebuild their temple to God Almighty. Just like the prophet said, the Lord returned his people to the promised land, and he used a pagan king to do it. You know, I don't think this is how you and I would write this story if we were making it up. We'd probably have some amazing conversion story that turns Cyrus into a believer. Or we would use a different person in the first place. But that's not how our God always works. Sometimes he makes us wait. And he often uses the person we least expect. And that's what he did when he sent the Savior there were those 400 years of silence between the writing of the Old Testament prophets and the birth of Jesus. Would God ever fulfill his promises to his people? Would the Messiah really come? And the answer is yes, he would, as the poor son of a carpenter in Nazareth. When God the Son took on flesh, he did not come as an emperor like Cyrus. He didn't even come as a rich man or the child of a well-known and respected religious leader. He came as someone we would not have expected. And he saved us in a way that seems counterintuitive. He came and died. But if we think about it, maybe we should expect God to work in different ways than we would. After all, he's been doing that since the very beginning. Showing his power, made perfect in weakness, even through underdogs, propping up those underdogs and giving underdogs victory, even when it seems defeat is coming. Why don't you join me and together let's take a moment to pray. Lord, we opened this time together talking about underdogs in Cuba. We've talked about Kurt Warner being an underdog. And of course, most of us, if we really stop to think about it, we are underdogs as well in this world, apart from you. But out of our being underdogs, we can be 
top dogs, not in ourselves, not in anything we can ever do, not in even trying to pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. But it's all because of Jesus who came and died to set us free. He's really the top dog, the greatest story ever told, the greatest person who ever lived, the Messiah who's coming back to save us, to lead us to our permanent, eternal home. We look forward to that. We desperately need that. And so we know someday all that besets us in this world, all the troubles we face will be over. And we get to join our Savior forever, face to face. So be with us this day. Be with us every day until we see our Savior. I pray in the name of Jesus right now. Amen. From heaven you came, helpless faith. Entered our world, your glory lay. Not to be served, but to serve. And give your life that we might live. This is our God, the servant king. He calls us now to fall. As a daily offering of worship to the servant king. There in the garden of tears, my heavy load he chose to bear. His heart with sorrow was Not my will, but yours, he said. This is our God, the servant king. He calls us now to follow him. To bring our lives as a daily offering of worship to servant king Come see his hands and his feet The scars that speak of sacrifice Hands that flung stars into space To
Kendrick, joined by Wren Collective and the Servant King, here in a haven today called Nobody Wins Alone. Earlier in the program, we heard from Kurt Warner, back when he was inducted in 2017 into the NFL Hall of Fame. Of course, this Christian football player gave the praise to God when he won his first Super Bowl. But you know what? He continued to praise the Lord when he lost two other Super Bowls. A reporter for a YouTube site called God in the Box asked Kurt after his second Super Bowl loss about the challenges of being thankful even when we lose. First of all, you know, it's always hard to blame God for certain circumstances, although I know a lot of people do it in their in their own room. But you don't see a lot of people coming out in a public spotlight for whatever reason and saying, well, God didn't come through for us or, you know, God was with the Rams and not with us. I mean, um, for whatever reason, I just think when you have any kind of a faith or any kind of a background, you may question, but you still know God hasn't left you or God's not, um, you know, choosing in certain situations just to say, hey, I'm just going to choose somebody else over you. Because invariably you have winners and you have losers and we ask God to pick sides. Yeah. And yet, you know, if God is one entity, isn't that an impossible request? Well, I mean, I think it's impossible to, um, you know, to speak of it in, in terms of winning and, loss, win, winning and losing and saying, you know, choose a side or, or be on both sides. And if we calculate God's presence strictly on the fact of winning and losing, well, then, I mean, of course it's not going to work. I mean, it, you know, it doesn't make sense. But... Again, that's that's us trying to put God in this in this box and saying, you need to work in the way that that makes sense to me, because if you don't work, you know, according to to my standards, then what am I supposed to do with you? And that's where I think the whole key to Christianity is to be able to to step back and say, you know, as the Bible says, you know, his thoughts are higher than our, our thoughts. His ways are higher than our ways and not try to always say, I can figure God out. I can figure out why this happened and this didn't happen because we can't do it. You know, we don't have all the answers. God wants to use all of us and in any possible way that he can, you know, no matter what we're going through. And uh, the key is for us to realize that and accept that even when it doesn't match what we want or even when it doesn't meet the world standards from a success or a win and loss standpoint. That's Kurt Warner sharing from his heart about how we can trust in the Lord even when things don't go the way we want it. That's just part of who he is. He knew what it was like to love football too much. So when he met Jesus, he laid that idol aside. And when you watch the new film about his life called American Underdog, 
you'll see how the Lord transformed his thinking and how he gave him a true calling to live for Jesus and to provide for his family. American Underdog is more than a football movie. It's about dying to self and living to the Lord first and then others after that. I want to send you the American Underdog DVD for your gift of support to Haven today. Here's the number you can call right now, 800-65-HAVEN, 800-65-HAVEN, or go online, watch the trailer, watch the clip from the movie, and then you can make your gift when you visit us at haventoday.org, haventoday.org. I'm Charles Morris. Thanks so much for joining me. Won't you come back again tomorrow when on Tuesday again, we'll get together. It's all about Jesus here on Haven Today. Here for your encouragement and your walk with Jesus, I'm Charles Morris with Haven Ministries, inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. Never again! That cry was raised after the world came to understand the horror of the Holocaust. The nations of the earth, shocked though they were, pledged to never let such a thing happen again. That's a promise that hasn't been kept, and it's been that way ever since Cain murdered Abel. In the Old Testament, we read about Haman, the enemy of God's people. He plotted to destroy all the Jews in the Persian Empire, but God was still in control. He put Esther on the throne. And what did her cousin Mordecai say to her? Who knows but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. God's never surprised. He always has a plan. Get Anchor devotional in print monthly. Visit getanchor.com.